Well, so the deals are out there. If you've got the hustle, the deals are out there. I actually, only two weeks ago, I wouldn't have believed it as much as I believe it today. Um, but just, I, I started hunting uh, courthouse auction properties and the level and magnitude of the deals I'm able to find there, um, it's, it's blowing me away. So if you've got the hustle and the drive to keep digging, to keep looking and be consistent, you will find those deals. And outside of that, go through the action steps. All right. Like it, it is one of those things that if you treat it honestly and only you can know if you treat it honestly, you will not fail. So I, and I feel very comfortable in saying that because it's, it's difficult. And if you, if you give it, you know, your, your diligence, it is, it is one of the best tools that I've ever seen on a two page document uh, to get somebody off at a very, very quick pace. And I, you know what? I love that because so many people think that there's an easy fix this is Dan Wynn and Mike Glassman, and we are the host of the Financial Freedom Journal, where we talk real deals, real numbers, and real lessons learned with successful real estate entrepreneurs to help you on your financial freedom journey. Now, whether you're watching this content on YouTube or you're listening to the podcast, we want you to like, share, and subscribe. Now, let's get you started on your financial freedom journey. Hey, how's it going, guys? This is Dan Wynn and Mike Glaspie. And Mike Glaspie. <laughs> and welcome to the Financial Freedom Journal. Today, we have a very special guest. We got uh, Dan Kidd here, another partner, another uh, member of the Five Pillars Realty team um, out of uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina. Um, thanks, Dan, for coming on the show. Please um, introduce yourself, kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you're up to. Hey, Dan. Um, so I am, uh, like you said, a member of the Five Pillars Realty uh, team here in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and I'm also an agent here on the team. Um, I guess pretty much all of our, our stories are pretty similar in that we were, uh, we were all Army prior to doing this. So I came to Bragg, um, and I did about four years here, got a little more interested in real estate, and then uh, Shelby provided me an invite to come join the team. So that's around the time that... Um, I started transitioning out of the military and got my license and pretty much went, you know, 100% in that direction. Yeah, dude, that's dope. I, I, what I really like, um, I know you say like we all got the same story, but I think everybody has a, a slightly different why and a slightly different purpose for why they did it and how they got introduced to real estate. And I think that's the the important part because I, I think, I think probably more than half of our listeners, um, I think, they're military affiliated or associated in some way. So, you know, uh, by you telling your story or by, you know, kind of highlighting your story, it kind of, they can picture themselves as that. So um, would you mind kind of sharing with us how you got into real estate? Like what, what, what was the uh, kind of the reasons? Right. So, I mean, the, the biggest reason I, I was actually home uh, on leave at the time and I was just talking to some of my friends that I'd grown up with. And I just realized they were having a different conversation than I was able to have. And then, you know, I found out one of them was like on his way to making just over a quarter mil that year. And I grew up with this guy, you know, I, I, I saw him every day growing up and, uh, you know, it really, really gut punched me. And I was like, I've got to do something different. So that kind of started me looking for something else. I started out with uh, the four hour work week. Um, I attempted to build an app. I even dove into Amway a little bit. But um, through all the books I was reading, real estate was a very, very common theme, and it really pointed me in that direction. 
And then I got linked up with Shelby by mentioning that to someone else. They're like, oh, well, you need to talk to Shelby. And uh, that's how I had my first meeting with Shelby. I got on her buyer's list and I, I bought my first property through her. What, what, who was the person that introduced you to Shelby? Was it a colleague? Was it like a coach? Was it a mentor? So, that individual? It was, it was actually one of those emails where it's like, hey, are you thinking about transitioning out of the army? And I was like, well, no, I'm not. But, you know, I'll click this. And I met up with Wendy Ray. So I actually just um, uh, helped them list their house. It was kind of funny that everything came back full circle. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, it was, it was Wendy who Shelby had helped her to get a house. And so she was the transition specialist and she was the one that pointed me to, uh, to Shelby. Interesting. Nice, nice, man. So it's, it's kind of crazy how all that stuff works when you go back and like kind of look at your journey and see, you know, um, how you got to where you are. Those like the smallest little things, like one email, you know, uh, mm -hmm. pretty much, pretty much change it all for you. So, uh, can we dive into that first? Let's dive into that first property. All right. So at this time, while you're, uh, you're transitioning, I don't know how much you know, I, I get. I, I still have a few, like a, at least another couple of years left on my uh, left on my contract, and I still get transition emails. So I'm wondering for you, how much time? So you got the email. Was it like right when you're about to get out, or you almost through the F SFL tap process, and then uh, you started buying your first property, or were you buying your properties while you're in the military? How did that go? Oh no, no I, I wasn't considering leaving the military at the time that I was buying the property. Um, I was, I was still trying to recover from an injury and then like continue on to a school that I wanted to do. And that just didn't end up working out. But, um, so I was, I was, I was still full time and me and my brother up in Virginia, were both looking for property. He was looking in Virginia. I was looking here pretty much. We were going to dive on the first thing that made sense to us uh, together. And it just turned out that we both found a deal that we both liked at the same time. So we ended up doing, um, actually three deals all on the same day. It was just kind of weird. We put three properties under contract and it just turned out that all of the closing dates were the same day. So we got, uh, we got a, a duplex down here and we picked up another duplex in the quad up in Virginia. And um, yeah, it was just kind of cool that it worked out that way. So I closed here um, and I had a POA for him and then I drove up to Virginia and met him and we went and closed on the other properties that evening. And I'm going to tell you something about Mr. Kidd over here. This is very typical Daniel Kidd, right? He, uh, he's going to find three or four things. He's going to attack them all at once. Then he's going to execute. Eh, eh, it's nothing. That's a normal thing. That's a normal day. And let me, ask, let me ask you this. I know that you said you and your brother essentially started together. Was your brother investing prior to this first purchase? No. Okay. So what was that conversation like? Now, you found real estate as a vehicle. What was that conversation with your brother like, trying to bring him on board? So I, I think it must hit our generation at the same time of life, because I think somewhere around the same time, if you're just reasonably good with money, you're going to pay off your student loans, you're going to have most of your debt obligations paid for, and then you're going to have this extra money and you're going to be like, now what? So I think that it was starting to hit um, my, my brother, Tim, and my friend, uh, Joe, who's actually started doing some deals down here now. Um, all around the same time. They were talking about doing something different, like with the stock market or something like that. So it was a pretty easy conversation to be like, hey guys, I'm 100% full bore on this. I gave my brother Miracle Morning. I gave him all of my other books I was reading at the time. He tore into them the same way. And it's it's never been anything but like, you know, support and, you know, 100% uh, 
commitment to to it from that day forward. Dude, that's awesome. So you guys rolled in it together. You're like, all right, let's let me find a partner from the get go. Obviously, your brother don't really know too much about real estate, but let's jump into it and attack three deals at the same time. So what did that? How did that go? How did that end up going? Did you actually close on all three deals, or um, what? And do you still have them? Like, let's talk some of the, let's talk talk a little bit about that. Yes. So I actually ended up putting 200 contract down here. One was a single. One was a multi. Uh, once he get he found the other two, we dropped the single, kept the multi. And it was a little duplex down here. It's about a hundred thousand dollar duplex. It was fully rented, fully turnkey, and we were able to get it for about is it ten or fifteen below market. I mean, after closing costs, probably just ten. Um, but yeah, it was it was already cash flowing uh, when we bought it. Um, we have had an HVAC go out since, but fortunately there was a warranty, so we got away with like just a little eight hundred dollar hit on that one. Um, but it did, it burned up pretty much all of the cash I had available. So I had a, a little bit of cash and then I had my Roth. So I pulled my entire Roth, I pulled my cash and I went as deep into both deals as I could. And I was just fortunate my brother had more money available. So he gave me enough to complete both deals. Um, just And the, uh, the second deal was seller financing. So that's how we were able to do all of these financings together. And, um, yeah, so pretty much he helped me get into the deal. I paid him back later as, as I made, um, some money and that's more or less how we got into both of the deals. The one down here is still performing pretty well. The six up in Virginia are actually doing insanely well. Uh, we, we just kind of came in at a moment where the numbers made sense and then we were still able to bump the rent by about a hundred dollars a door. So, uh, the, the cash flow on that one's been been phenomenal nice man when do you let tell the audience when that first uh, purchase actually took place just rough general time frame so i read i read the first book back in july and i believe it was august 27th was when i closed so yeah it was it was pretty quick um it was it was pretty quick but i was listening to about two to three bp um podcasts a day I was burning through about three to four books a week at the time because I just I felt like I needed to know this stuff, and um, yeah. So I was I was scared at the time I went under contract, but I was very very confident by the time I got to the closing table. So I had no hesitation at closing because um, at that point I felt like I'd I'd educated myself appropriately for you know what I was about to undertake. I mean, turnkey duplex. There's not that much, you know. Really but, but believe it or not, so many people, I mean, you know this, there's so many people that have that fear of that first deal and they have that, uh, uh, uh already analysis paralysis, analysis paralysis. There you go. They have that <laughs> analysis paralysis. But what you did is you just completely conquered that by self-educating yourself to a, to an extreme extent, right? Because you were so dedicated and focused on your one goal, which was to acquire property. And so for everybody out there who has that analysis paralysis, you have the ultimate control over that. Just continue to educate yourself. Listen to those podcasts, listen to those books, make no excuses and just take action. I don't, I'm not saying buy three at once for your first, you know, for your first deal, but you know, that, but that, but I like that and I applaud that. That's awesome. Uh, and, and I want to touch on that. I want to dive a little bit more deeper into that because you sent us a, a great product that I think a lot of uh, first time, or even if you, you know, if you've done one or two deals, um, a lot of investors, um, 
could, could definitely use and, and benefit from. However, and we're going to share that. It's going to be in the show notes. But before we do that, um, I want to dive in just a little bit more deeper into the actual numbers, right? So um, I want to talk about, you, you said you got two multis, a duplex in Fayetteville, and then um, a six unit, I believe, somewhere in, in uh, Virginia. Let's just a uh, quick, quick dive. How'd you finance it? How did, or how'd you find it? How did you finance them? And then how did you, uh, how did, how did you manage them? How do you, you, you know, have the upkeep? Okay. Um, yes. So down here, uh, the duplex, it was a, uh, I'm sorry, conventional financing. It's about a hundred thousand dollar duplex. So we had to put about 27, 28, uh, down to close. And we still have a, um, a property manager managing that one. And that was an MLS deal. So just came right across the MLS, um, and, and was able to pick it up. And this was back when duplexes were a little bit cheaper here in Fayetteville. Their numbers have gone up uh, drastically. If I could go back to that summer, I would have picked. I would pick up all of them. <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, you could get them for 50, 60. and now it's like one twenty, one thirty, one forty. It's ridiculous. Mm. Um, but Which still, by the way, is a very cheap duplex in, in most of the world. So if you're yes. like, what, <laughs> what are we talking about the rent? So you're getting them for 50, 60. We're talking about 2% rule stuff. Like, you know, you're renting them. Not for like quite that. More like 750. So about a 1.5. That's, um, that's still, yeah, that's still money. Okay. So that one's, that one's doing really well. And then up in Virginia, we found it um, because my, my brother just hit up some agents and this one uh, who did the property management at the property brought the deal to him and helped set it up. And it just happened to be that the, um, the gentleman selling it was also an attorney. So uh, closing costs were all pretty much waived. He did all of the, the document prep and everything. And he's actually the only person that read word or line by line the entire set of documents. I've never had that happen. And, and again, it was my second deal, so I didn't have a lot of experience, but I knew it went about to about five minutes in North Carolina. And it took us about an hour and a half to get through those documents yeah. up in Virginia. But hey, okay. it was good. And it was seller finance. I'm not, an, I'm not an attorney, but I'm that guy too, man. Every time I sit, if I sit at closing tables, like I've done closings at a McDonald's before, like and I'm sitting there <laughs> with, with the notary, with the notary, and I'm sitting there like, I, I know I'm not no freaking lawyer, but at the same time, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just check everyone. Yeah, uh, I'm saying stuff like, "Oh, what about this?" And she's like, "Man, I'm just a notary." <laughs> like, <laughs> yep. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm usually just pretty quick with it. Yeah, I got it. Cool, cool. I mean, you you have to be that quick after all the closings you've done now. So yeah, <laughs> yeah you're freaking G at it now, man. That's that's, that's cool. So, um, all right, so let's dive into like the success traits. I think that's extremely, extremely, extremely important, especially for, uh, like I said, first time listeners in, in even, um, and even people that have done a few deals There's always, um, you, you can always take something away that might help you improve your game, right? So, um, so you, you sent out uh, some success tools. Uh, it's basically how to be successful in real estate. Um, can, you, can you talk about that a little bit? So I, I think, the, the biggest thing to say about it is that it is, it is not a, a series of steps to be taken in order, and it's not even a, a metric for or a path to success. It's more a series of uh, steps that will allow you to break through certain barriers you may or may not have. So if you look at them, it really takes the fear out of a lot of aspects of investing in wealth creation. So a lot of people, the biggest thing is they just don't want to pick up the phone and sound like an idiot sometimes. So you'll see some of the steps are, you know, call your, call your insurance or, you know, call this or cancel that. 
or whatever it is, it's, it's really just about shaking things up and making you realize that you have the power to do these things. And it, and it just, it shakes up where you, you currently are. If I had to come up with a, a perfect metric going forward and kind of scale it out, I'm sure it would look something very similar to the 30, 60, 90 created by, you know, every single um, sales company ever. I don't think I've seen one that looked drastically different, but this is more about, you know, changing the way you think and like the, the things that you feel like you're able to actually accomplish. And one of the things to, to highlight on this, on these action steps, essentially, is that first chunk, the first chunk is fix yourself, mm -hmm. which is super, super important, right? Because it's those mental hurdles and those mental obstacles that truly affect us in so many ways. Even when we're, you know, succeeding at whatever it is that we're doing, a lot of times our, our greatest critic is ourself. So you got to fix yourself first before moving on. But tell, tell everybody that action step program that you've done, you went from the original duplex, you know, some in, some in Virginia, some down here in Fayetteville, to having now how many in your portfolio collectively? So I am part owner in 40, and then if you take my equity out of those and condense it down, I have, I have 19 of those, um, 100%. Um, 19 in just a little over 18 months, maybe? Something like that, yeah. That's freaking awesome. So um, like I said, I think that the importance of like, I guess the psychology of real estate, if you will, um, is, is almost is about as much as important as it is, is taking action. You know what I mean? Um, I think I'd say it's about half and half, um, uh, maybe, maybe a little bit more on the action side, but, um, it's still super, super important. So, uh, like Mike said, you got made the book, this, these action steps, right? They're, uh, booked off in a section. We got fix yourself, get smarter. Uh, collect tools and money, and then get out there, right? So, um, in the fix yourself, it's basically given a lot of uh, a lot of recommendations as far as um, obviously what you can do to fix yourself. Like read a couple of uh, read a couple. There's a couple books on here. There's also you know set two alarms for four a.m. and do not change them for any reason for thirty days. Hey, so for those of you guys are, are, that are listening, um, you you guys probably don't know, but about a quarter of our recordings we do like at right now it's what it's five it's 5 20 right now and so yeah. um we started recording around like five o'clock so about a quarter of our recordings are actually at five like we actually we actually do this i mean i'm not i'm not up at four you know but <laughs> but uh, i'm usually up at like 4 45 it's not four on the dot but i'm usually up at 4 45 ish and i get um get my little work in before pt like i have pt shorts on right now like i gotta go to pt right after this so um, can you speak to that yourself? Like how has that helped you in, uh, at least these, these tips and what, what tips have helped you the most? Um, or can you just kind of highlight a few of them just so that, so the listeners have an idea, uh, before they actually read the, read the document. Right. So the, the list I came by honestly through nature of the fact of all the, the books that I was reading and the things that I was doing. So the, the action steps, it's not even that I made them up. It's what I did. And then I wrote it down <clears throat> after the fact. So I did, I gave away my TV, um, I, I canceled all my subscriptions and, you know, went through uh, just kind of like a, a very, very like Spartan lifestyle for a while in order to allow myself the time to like read and, and you know, not be distracted by all of these things. So I would, absolutely the most important for me and especially when I was looking at, um, you know, getting out of the, the army later, Miracle Morning was the biggest one for me because it structured for me something that had been structured by the army. So um, I was very 
grateful to the army for constantly keeping me in shape, you know, giving me, um, you know, certain things to do and giving me a, a direction uh, during times in my life when maybe I didn't have that or wouldn't have kept it up as much, you know, so it, it gave me a certain level of like, you know, physical fitness and all of this throughout that entire process. And I didn't really realize that I was, I had leaned, I was currently leaning on it as a crutch in my life. And once I found Miracle Morning and was able to bring that success to the start of my day in what I felt was even a better way, it, it made me feel much better on my transition out of the military, um, you know, with something that I never even would have thought would have been something I was thinking about at that time. You know, one thing I want to touch on with the military a lot of people on the outside looking in, they say the military members have discipline. They're very, very disciplined. But we all know that just as you said, that discipline can come as a crutch because we're told where to be, you know, how to dress, what to do, when to do it with very little questioning. So from the outside looking in, it looks like discipline. Now, the issue is once people start to transition out or they try to find another avenue or another venture to pursue, they don't necessarily have that structural support to give them the guidelines to go and let's let's pursue this real estate deal, let's do this. And so a lot of times people struggle. But I love the fact that you decided to instill your own set of discipline by creating the environment of structure. And that's really what those action steps kind of, you know, uh, I guess that, that really start and, and provide that momentum for you is because they give you that environment to recreate the same environment that you're already comfortable in for military members and for everybody else who's, who's missing that structure that gives you that opportunity as well. Super mm -hmm. important. And the biggest key to that is definitely the Miracle Morning Millionaire. That book is, it's, it's easily the best book out there. If you only do one of the steps, do that step. Nice. So the Miracle Morning Millionaire. I haven't, I've read the Miracle Morning. So by, for those who, uh, who are uh, maybe unfamiliar with this, Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and he goes over these five things, just like Mike and uh, Dan have, have highlighted there. It's, it's essentially, when you really look at it, it kind of is like the military structure, except for there's some mindset portions in there. I think the acronym they use is SAVERS. Um, yeah. You, you want to highlight on that just, just a little bit, touch on it. I don't... I'm going to mess them up. I yeah, know. yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that's what that's I'm kind of like. <laughs> silence, affirmation, uh, visualization, exercise and uh, reading and scribing. Yeah, that, that, that got you, had, you had it right on, man. You got it right on. Good yeah. job. Put you off the yeah. spot and you perform. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the the, um, the the savers, that's what, what uh, how Elrod outlines, and it's kind of a, um, uh, a, a nice formula you can follow or a nice structure that you can follow to keep yourself uh, kind of on track. So the, the Miracle Morning Millionaires, you said that step in um, – particular was that a different book is that maybe like a subset book of of how air rods or is it this it, it is there's like 14 different copies okay miracle okay. morning for entrepreneurs for yeah, relationships, yeah. real estate agents all the things so millionaire so millionaire the millionaire um miracle morning millionaire is yes. what you're the one that you're recommending yes and any of them would be perfect yeah fine. as far as i can tell they're all similar they just change a few of the yeah, yeah. nuances of it okay all right cool cool all right, so we're in. So uh, we're part owner in about forty deals. You're talking about equity. You're, you're probably on about nineteen right now, in a little over a year and a half. Um, dude, that's that's excellent, man. I, I really applaud you. And how long have you been out for? I've been out for just over six months. 
damn. So like, so most of that, I'm assuming the bulk of that was acquired while you were still in. Yes, somewhere in the, like half of it, something, something like that. So how'd you, how did you manage that? I think that's a, a, another, like I said, I think m- more than half of our listeners are, um, are military affiliated or still active in some way. So uh, how did you manage that? Um, so after the, the uh, eight that we picked up, which really I only count four of those, um, I, I had been looking for something to buy with my VA the whole time. And I was able to find a quad, um, actually same subdivision as Shelby and Mike. We all have a quad in the same subdivision. And uh, By the block. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you guys need to rename the street Five Pillars. <laughs> and um, yeah, so picked that one up with the VA. I actually only had to bring 128 bucks to closing. Um, I was able to get all the rehab concessions that I needed. In fact, more than enough to be able to turn one of the units into an Airbnb. Um, so that one's actually been working out super well. Um, although if I had to do it again in the future, I probably wouldn't mix long and short term renters, um, on purpose. So if, if I do it again in the future, I'll do all long, all short with residential multi or something like that. Why? I mean, why? Um, it, it has the, it has the capacity to make the long-term renters feel like they're getting, less than preferential treatment to the short-term renters because short-term they come in, they don't know whose parking spot is whose they park all over the place. And they're, they're also tend to make more noise occasionally. So just little things like that have had, we've had a few little hiccups and um, you know, it's still working just fine. It's just in the future, I would avoid those hiccups by keeping my long and short term from sharing a wall. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then after that, I actually, kind of went full bore into being an agent. So I got my license January 1st of last year. And for a few months, really just kind of put my head down and dove into that. And then I forget if it was Mike or Shelby, but somebody was like, Hey guys, we're, we're still investors. We got to buy stuff. So we went out and we found an eight unit and a 13 unit. And we put both of those in our contracts. Um, I really hadn't sold enough real estate to have enough money to do the deal. So again, I invited my brother and I ended up having to borrow some money from a few other people. Um, and that's how I went to close on them. And I've paid everybody back at this point. Um, but yeah, that was, that was kind of the, the name of the game for me getting into deals was kind of borrowing money on the front end. And I, I had ended up moving recently. I found a duplex that was downtown. I moved into it. I found out that the owner was looking to sell and they wanted to do a 1031. So I like wrote him a letter and I was like, Hey, I know what this is. I'll work with you however you want. I just want you to look at my offer first when you're ready to sell. Um, they said, sure. Uh, and then not too long ago, they were like, Hey, we're thinking about listing it. And I was like, well, here's my offer they countered with about 2000 above where I was at. I just went ahead and accepted. I knew it was, you know, more than, more than fair and ended up closing on that one back in September. So, and I, I believe by that time we closed on those other 21 units. And then that's when I realized that my Airbnb that I was talking about for the, for the quad was actually doing really, really well. So I was like, hey guys, we should probably start doing some Airbnbs. So we went out and we found a a duplex. It's actually a single, but it works like a duplex. And we bought it, uh, we fixed it up, 
and I believe it went live yesterday. Um, so that was two more Airbnbs that went live and we, in the middle of doing all of that, cause this one needed a little bit of rehab, we started doing the arbitrage as well. So we picked up three units so far with arbitrage and that would just be where we go in. We do a long-term lease and then, um, you know, put all of the furniture in and then, then Airbnb it out. So we have three of those running downtown right now. And I, I don't think I've missed one have a mic. I think that's, I think that's everything up to oh. this point. Yeah. Besides Redwood, but. And, oh, and, and Redwood. So that would, that would be, um, one more. It's not live yet. We're hoping to go live after the 18th, but that'll be, um, our next Airbnb. And, and that's kind of where I'm looking for the future right now as well as, picking up properties for Airbnb just because the, the numbers are, are really good right now. That's awesome, man. Hey, so for those of you who are listening out there, for those of you who are listening, um, just kind of take note of all the different types of investing that, that was just kind of said, we talked about pure Airbnb buying for pure Airbnb. We talked about multifamily, we talked about Airbnb arbitrage where basically you rent, you rent a home on a long lease and then you furniture, you put furniture in it and then you, you know, you push it out as an Airbnb itself. Um, I think you talked about, uh, I guess, I, was that house it? Was those, yeah, and, and and house hacking as well. So we talk about like real estate on the on the larger spectrum, man, like there's so much you can do with it. Um, and you can get so creative with it as well. Um, and I, I think that's a true definition of real estate entrepreneurs, both of you guys, um, you know, the whole team, I, I really love um, how you guys are, how you guys are maximizing every bit of um, real estate. And then also the, you know, the agency behind it. So well. we didn't even touch on that at all. I mean, um, so that, that's, I just think that's really, really cool. And I love how, uh, you made that transition to where you're at right now. Yeah. To, to brag on, to brag on Dan guys, you've been licensed for maybe a year. Uh, as he mentioned, let's touch on how he acquired all these. He said basically by any means necessary, he borrowed money, he beat up an old lady and took her purse, all this stuff, right? <laughs> so he can get these properties. And more importantly, he said that up to this date, he's paid everybody back. So he didn't do this long-term, you know, OPM, let me pay people over two years. He grinded to pay everybody back within his first year as an agent. I think he sold something like 57 properties or something like that. Mm. Damn. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Like, just come on, man. So it, it's the 4 a.m. man. It's the 4 a.m. <laughs> and, and with that being said, just to touch on it real briefly, is that did you take the similar approach to your agency practice that you did with your investment practice? If I did, it was unintentional. Um, most of what I, I did as an agent had already been learned through being an investor. So I was just simply having conversations with people about my interpretation of the property as an investor. And that's, that's probably the, the greatest thing that's helped me as an agent is uh, just because I've, I've found myself in this niche of working with investors and a, a lot of agents don't want it. I mean, shoot, we used to get leads all the time from other teams who literally would just push people to us because they were looking for houses under $100,000. And it, it, it was just something that, that really felt natural. And I really enjoyed talking to investors because talking to investors makes sense. I mean, as long as they're they're using the same kind of numbers I like to use, but <laughs> um, yeah, outside of that, I mean, it's it's um, it, it it was it was the persistence and the hard work with you about the the only things I intentionally carried from one to the other, but um, so yeah, one really just the enjoyment of it. 
one other small thing I just want to uh, kind of get you to highlight a little bit is, like I said, I know we talked talked about the bulk of this has been done while you're on active duty. Because I get I get every now and again, senior leaders will tell me, oh, you, you know, you might be doing this, you might be doing that, or you might be doing a little too much and stuff. But I just want to hear from your perspective. I'm sure you probably got it as well. Maybe not so much because you were already in the process of transitioning. But um, people ask me all the time, like, all right, how are you managing all this, all this stuff that you're doing? And um, how is it affecting, I guess, how could it potentially affect your work? So from your standpoint, one, like, how are you, how were you managing that time to still be successful? And obviously, you know, the military, we have kind of a regular schedule, uh, at least because it's a lot longer than the average nine to five worker. So how are you doing this? Um, and then did it affect, do you feel like it affected any of your, um, your, your active duty service, like while you're actually serving? So I actually found myself in a, in a very lucky position at the time that I was doing um, or kind of transitioning into real estate, which maybe that white space is why I found the time to, to do it in the first place and get more involved. But I had moved from battalion up to brigade um, and I was given the, the latitude to not show up until nine. So I was able to structure that miracle morning the way that I really wanted to. And I was actually, um, I, I was reading from about four to eight every morning. And then I would go do my workout sometime at the end of the day. But like, that was the only way I could find to get all of the information that I wanted. And I would listen to podcasts to and from work um, or anytime I was driving. So that's how I really kind of got into the grind of it that way. And then it was just numbers, numbers, numbers. Like, again, I gave away my TV, like the amount of hours that, you know, get burned in front of a TV in the evening is insane. You can you can always be looking for property uh, during that time and, you know, running your numbers. I didn't even have these calculators and TV and stuff. I still got my old notes. It was just graph paper. I was an engineer in college and I would analyze every deal with pen and paper and, um, you know, I'd have like the 30 year, the 15 year column and all of this, all of this stuff just to try to see which deal was best. So hundred percent love BP calculators after that. Cause that was a lot that was a lot of work. <laughs> this, this guy is a chart freak. Like he does his columns, his Excel <laughs> spreadsheets, his analysis. Um, and it's, it's, it shows in his work, right? The value that he's able to provide not only to, um, uh, to his clients, but also to, to us as his investment partners. But I mean, just the way that he, he breaks things down, it, it's ridiculous, man. It's, it's like beautiful mind. Like the, the very first, um, the very first thing I remember you saying about Dan, this is like a while ago, this is like a long time ago when me and you first kind of like really started talking, uh, you're like, yeah, Dan's a freaking match genius. Like he's, uh, <laughs> he does his charts and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, that's cool, man. All right. So, um, so we talked about your, um, talked about your first couple deals, how you got into real estate, talked about some of those success products and you dove in a little bit, um, to that as well. <clears throat> dove in a little bit uh, to that as well. And we talked about where you're at right now, uh, where you're at right now with respect to the different, to basically being a true real estate entrepreneur, right? Um, what's the future look like for you? What, what do you, what do you see yourself in the next like five years or what are you uh, uh, working towards at least? Um, so let me answer that in, in two ways. Um, Cause uh, I think when I read the question, I, I thought it was going to be a little bit different. But um, so going into the future, what I'd really like to do is is be able to transition um, at some point out of out of transactional real estate. So kind of.
quit uh, quit representing as an agent and transition more fully into being um, an investor because I, I absolutely absolutely love finding deals, doing deals, you know, and kind of uh, growing the portfolio and everything. And my my current why is is actually to find my why and by um, uh, by freeing myself financially and giving myself the time to actually do that. So I've, I've tried going through it a few times and I, and I thought that I had, you know, with the book, find your why start with why all of these. And, and I really thought I had, I landed on something, but it never actually resonated with me the way that I really felt that it should. And so then I was just like, all right, I'm going to quit obsessing over this. I'm just going to say that my current why is, to get myself in a place where I can, I can do that. And, um, and that's where it really sets. And, and I believe I'll, I'll take some time uh, to go travel, but then I, I, I do expect I'll come back and find myself working hard at something. I don't think I'll be able to, to step away from, from building and kind of like the, the feeling that we have with the team and stuff like that. It's just, it's a great feeling when you're building something new. And keep going. Uh, yeah. Where, where are you traveling to? Just really quick. Where are you traveling? Because you mentioned travel. Yeah. Right. So the, the first thing I want to do, and I don't even know if this is cliche or not, because I'm not sure if anyone else is trying to do it, but the original journey um, in the book Shoe Dog is, I would like to repeat that. And uh, then there's just a few other little countries that I would like to to hit as well. Croatia being one, I'd really like to go to Indonesia and Thailand um, and also Australia. Um and again, just, just kind of complete that journey and just find more places to really go as, a, as I do. And that was one of the things that I really took away from the four hour work week. And I've mentioned it in a few other podcasts. It was, it was just that Tim Ferriss seemed to be the only guy that didn't want to be financially free so he could sit on a beach. Tim Ferriss wanted to be financially free so that he could go and literally be like the best version of Tim Ferriss. And that's what I, I loved about his book was just like, it's like he went to a country and he would, he would work harder there than most people would work at their job. Exactly. I know. Trust me. When I saw your bookshelf, I was like, yeah, that's some good stuff back there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. And he was like the first guy to say that. He was also one of the first guys to say, do not watch the news. And I really couldn't agree with that more. And I know even now with everything that's going on, people might be like, well, how would you know like what's going on with the world and stuff? And it's like, the world deserves the, the best version of you. And I promise you that version doesn't watch two hours of news every night to see what's about to cook off. You know, dude, that, that is like top three of my favorite books. And for that specific reason, outside of one, he outlined so many systems to be able to take yourself, allow yourself to do that. Right. But then the, the, the whole idea of like, I'm not just trying to get off to lounge on a beach, on a beach but I'm trying to experience life, you know, mm -hmm. like experience life and, um, and, and kind of see what this world is really about. Obviously, the best version of himself. I think he went and won like a, some salsa, you know, salsa All dancing the and then did some like Muay Thai and like yeah. just the randomest stuff, you know what I mean? But those are like life experiences that a lot of people don't get to do. I, I thank you for bringing that up. I, I love that book. Love that book. Love that book. Yeah, and again, that was my first one. Rich Dad was my second one. Um, ah, I love yeah. it. It was, it was definitely in there. It's out of sequence, man. You're not supposed to read it in that order. <laughs> I, I, I know. I know. <laughs> All right, so, so wrapping it up, we covered a lot of different things. But if you had one thing that you could tell a first-time investor, 
what would it be? Well, so the deals are out there. If you've got the hustle, the deals are out there. I actually, only two weeks ago, I wouldn't have believed it as much as I believe it today. Um, but just, I, I started hunting uh, courthouse auction properties and the level and magnitude of the deals I'm able to find there, um, it's, it's blowing me away. So if you've got the hustle and the drive to keep digging, to keep looking and be consistent, you will find those deals. And outside of that, go through the action steps. Right, like it, it is one of those things that if you treat it honestly, and only you can know if you treat it honestly, you will not fail. So, I, and I feel very comfortable in saying that because it's it's difficult, and if you if you give it, you know, your your diligence, it is it is one of the best tools that I've ever seen on a two page document uh, to get somebody off at a very very quick pace. And I, you know what, I love that because so many people think that there's an easy fix. Right, so many people think that they can pay their way into a deal that they can do. Absolutely not. Yeah, <laughs> work. No. And that that action step is going to force you to be honest with yourself to do the work. I mm -hmm. Love it. Love it. No, no, I'm all about mentorship, and I'm all about even paying for it where, where it's where it's necessary. But if you have not read at least ten books on a subject, don't pay someone else yeah. a dime to tell you about it. Because for one, you don't even care. So. <laughs> You know, like, what are you, what are you trying to do? It's like paying somebody on the 1st of January to like teach you to be a marathon runner when you've never ran a step the last 10 years. Like it just doesn't make sense. So exactly. commit a little bit of time and then, then maybe mentorship is what you need. I love it. Big time. And by doing that, you're not even, uh, if you don't at least read, read and do your due diligence up front before you even get a coach, I think coaching like kind of brings you to that next level. But if you just start off with a coach, in my opinion, um, before reading or before at least educating yourself on a topic, you'll never know the right questions to ask because uh, you might be just finding out some, you basically, I'm not gonna say wasting a coach's time, but you're kind of wasting your own time for stuff that you could easily find out in like five minutes. Um, so yeah, so hey, so the, the list that you, uh, that you mentioned will be, um in the show notes so the the action steps that'll be in the show notes for you to, for you to check out um dan how can our listeners contact you if you want to if they want to find out more about you or they just want to get in contact with you and find a little bit more about this uh the spartan lifestyle that you've uh that you've uh, decided to live <laughs> i'm not i'm not as strict on it uh anymore you're, you're gonna have to ebb and flow with it yeah. but uh they, they'll be able to reach me uh find me uh daniel kid on facebook Real Estate with Daniel Kidd on Instagram or on the uh, the Five Pillars website. Um, in any of those, should get them linked in. Or if they're already following Mike or Shelby, they, they should be able to reach out and get in touch with me that way as well. Dope, dope. All right, man. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Really, really appreciate it. You shared a lot of uh, information, a lot of very, very useful uh, information and provide a lot of value to our listeners. So thank you for that. Um, uh, with that, uh, this is Dan Wynn. Mike Glaspie signing off. Thanks, guys.